Transmitter device activated. Coordinates set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC multiverse and the legacy of Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Thank you for joining us. We're still in the, the Superman corner of the DC universe with this week's episode. We're looking at a story from issue 308 of Action Comics, which was the anthology book that Superman appeared in from day one. And this issue was published on the 27th of November, 1963, That's, you know, according to Mike's, which is a very interesting time. Mm-hmm. There were a few significant cultural events that took place in a few days before that. So on the 22nd of November... 1960, the Beatles released their second album in the UK with the Beatles, you know, the one with the famous mm-hmm. sort of cover where they're half lit and really, really good brown record. And that same day, of course, um, President Kennedy was assassinated mm-hmm. in Dallas. And then the next day, on the 23rd of November 1963, mm-hmm. the first episode of Doctor Who and An Earthly Child was shown on BBC television. There was quite a lot going on. So while all this was happening in the real world, this is what was happening in, in the DC multiverse. So, so yes. Action Comics 308, we have a fantastic cover here. Yeah, the cover's by Kurt Swan, with inks by George Klein, and it's, um... There's a big, big sort of muscly, Greco-Roman looking guy. Who's a giant. He's a giant compared to Superman, and, and Superman is standing in front of him, and he's facing away from him, and he's lobbing a, a big red kryptonite meteorite, and the big giant is saying, Oh, I'm in terrible agony from yon stone. Help me, oh little man. And Superman says... Don't worry, Hercules, I'll toss it a mile away. Strange. In this parallel world, the hero Hercules looks like Goliath, and red kryptonite affects him the way green kryptonite does me. So that's kind of blown it straight away, that we're on a parallel world. Pretty much, yeah. Well, because, you know, the last couple of stories we've done, obviously, there was a Lois Lane and there was a World's Finest, and part of the, the whole... Um, Conceit. Yeah, was yeah. that we, we didn't know quite what was going on. They were quite similar to a lot of other sort of slightly disposable mm-hmm. Superman Silver Age stories with a mystery sort of set up and we kind of we find yeah. it an explanation. But it um, does show how popular the parallel world concept was. Yeah. At the time, because obviously, you know, they're trying to sell it with that on the cover to get more people to buy it. Absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. and, you know, we've done quite a few stories that have been from 1963. You mm-hmm. know, is it the hot topic? I mean, we have said this before that it's obvious that some other editors were starting to think, right, what can we do with this? Yeah. And we've obviously, we've commented on this, the, the different ways you can travel between parallel Earths. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's how Jordan's ring is power enough to bring people through or else you vibrate or else you get struck by lightning. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Yes. So anyway. On with the story. Yep. Into the past of a parallel world goes Superman where events and situations are strangely twisted around. For instance, David isn't David and Goliath isn't Goliath and the Man of Steel becomes a super stand-in for an ancient hero when Superman meets the Goliath Hercules. That little exposition panel was quite amusing because it has the word David and the word steel very close together. So it does. <laughs> so it does. So yeah, in the splash panel, we see the Goliath Hercules and he's breaking his chib over Superman's head, basically. Mm-hmm. And Goliath Hercules exclaims, By those who rule Olympus, oh, Chakra, my <laughs> wrath be on your head. By Zeus, my club must have been rotten with termites. <laughs> and Superman is thinking, hmm, Hercules is sure having his troubles. When his anger is gone, maybe I can give him a hand. Go. Into the main story. On a sultry day, somewhere... On, on, a, on a what day? A sultry day. A sultry day. A sultry day, sultry day I'm listening to my caller. <laughs> it's a sultry day, folks. 
On a sultry day, somewhere in the Middle East, as reporter Clark Superman Kent accompanies Professor Lang and his daughter Lana on an archaeological expedition. We see Clark Kent in a nice, it's almost a safari suit. Yes, yeah. And he's, with, and he's wearing his pith helmet and Lana is there, Lana Lang is there. And there's a man in the back with his camel and a couple of other men in a tent. And Lana looks at Clark and you know, she looks a little concerned. That's odd, Clark. Everybody in Dad's expedition is suntanned, except you. Clark thinks, Great Scott, what a slip I've made. Of course, Superman's invulnerable skin wouldn't be affected by the sun. I'll have to come up with a quick answer before Lana gets suspicious. In the next panel, we see Clark adjusting his, his helmet slightly, and he says, I, uh, I suppose it's because of my pith helmet's protection. We're all wearing pith helmets, but it didn't protect our skins. If you don't get suntanned too, Clark, I'm going to get ideas, and you know what I mean. Yeah, and Lana looks very, she's very, hmm, she's got her arms folded and she's like, you're up to something, Mr. Kent. So this is that horrible Silver Age conceit when the lead female characters are just there to try and annoy the the lead guy (laughs) and try and guess whether or not he's a superhero. So the caption for panel three says, That night, when Clark is alone in his tent... And we see Clark alone in his tent. His jacket's hung up in the background. His typewriter's in the flight case behind him. There's a lamp hanging off the side of the tent. And he's smearing a red substance onto his face. And he thinks, Lana's back on the track of thinking, I'm Superman. I had to waste one of my red and black typewriter ribbons, but this red ink I squeezed from it, diluted in water, gives me a nice rosy hue. Later, I can apply a brown solution and appear to be tanned. Now, it doesn't say where he's getting the brown solution from. A brown solution. That's fine. Wow, okay. The next morning... And it's breakfast time. Lana's pouring the coffee, and she says... I guess I was wrong about you, Clark. You're as red as a beet. And the type that has a delayed reaction with sunburn. By the way, our guide says the rainy season is here, and we might get a storm today. You know, Lana, if your father's correct, and this is the birthplace of Goliath, the Philistine giant, I'll have a big scoop for the Daily Planet. Dad found something else exciting. A mysterious little whirlpool near here. Let's join him. And in the next panel, it starts to rain. There's a big kaboom, and we see the raindrops coming down. Clark's holding his hand up, and he says, Our guide was right. A storm is coming up. And Lana says, We'll have to hurry before we're drenched. I'll be right with you. I want to get my transistor shortwave radio. I'm dying for some news from home. Moments later. And Lana's father, Professor Lang, and a few other members of the expedition, including Lana and Clark, they're all standing by the side of a pool. And Professor Lang is saying, a whirlpool in the desert? Hmm. I can only presume that it was caused by some subterranean disturbance. Or maybe this storm caused it, Dad. It's certainly making plenty of static on my radio. Yeah, and sure enough, Lana's radio has some crackles coming off it. This is interesting. Um, oh, I'm getting... I think someone might get transported to a parallel world quite soon, Peter. Let's find out. Oh, it's exciting. Then, as Lana's radio aerial attracts a lightning bolt, Clark moves swiftly. Lana, look out! Clark rushes forward and he grabs the radio from out of Lana's hand and we see a little horizontal Shazam lightning bolt right next to an exaggerated Sylvester McCoy umbrella question mark which is floating above Lana's head. (laughs) And then we move to panel three. A blinding flash and millions of volts rip through Clark Kent as he slips and... It's suddenly Superman. And Superman is thinking, I took the shock, saving Lana. My clothes were burned away, but thanks to the dazzling flash... Nobody was able to see my Superman costume underneath. And sure enough, we see there's a few fragments of Clark's costume and we can see his hat and there's a couple of sound effects like and crack and splat as he Superman falls towards the water. 
Then, when the others are able to see again... And we see a big shot of the whirlpool, and Lana with her head in her hands in the back of Professor Lang, and Clark's pith helmet floating around the whirlpool. Dad, Clark's gone. He's, he's sacrificed himself for me. Try to be brave, Lana, dear. There's one thing we learned. Clark Kent was not a timid, mild-mannered reporter. He was a brave man. Meanwhile, from the depths of the whirlpool, the Man of Steel bores up through the ground. And we see that Superman is burrowed underneath the surface of the pool or the lake or whatever, and he's burrowing up through the ground. And he thinks, I'll have to emerge away from the whirlpool, get another set of clothes from the tent, then return and surface at the whirlpool as a half-drowned Clark Kent. But a moment later, Superman has emerged, and he thinks, great Krypton, the entire expedition seems to have vanished. No sign of Lana, her father, the jeeps, or camels. And we can see the whirlpool in the background. But then Superman stares in astonishment at... Looks as though Superman has just turned around in this panel. Yeah. This is sort of what's going on behind him. And there's the big, giant, muscly, Greco-Roman guy who we saw on the cover. And there's a little guy swirling a little slingshot in front of him. The big, muscly guy has a shield on his back. He's wearing a sort of loincloth thing. And it makes me think of the patriotic superheroes of World War Two. you know, in the colour yeah, scheme. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's kind of interesting. He's got a golden helmet. It's obviously meant to be gold. It looks just kind of yellow. And basically, the big, muscly guy is confronting a little guy who does look like, a bit like Jimmy Olsen. It does actually. It's yeah. drawn, drawn in that style. Um, the yeah. artist of the story is Al Plastino. We mentioned who drew the card, but Al Plastino is the artist on the main story. And the big, muscly, Goliath type guy is confronting the little guy and he says, Ho ho, do you think, little flea, that a mere pebble in your slingshots can worry me? Ho ho ho. And Superman beholds this and he thinks, Great Scott, that mysterious whirlpool must have carried me back through time. I'm witnessing the historic fight between David and Goliath. Instinctively, Superman starts to spring to the boy's aid, but... The little Jimmy Olsen-looking guy has hurled his slingshot and the stone has ricocheted off Goliath's face and the small David guy says, Here's your pebble, right between the eyes! Oh! Superman says, wow, what a shot! I love the sound effect for... Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Bing! Because we have a sort of the noise of yeah, stone hitting his face. David, in very commas, is a sort of whirr, and then, you know, it's, that's brilliant. Poor Hercules Goliath guy, so... The scene of a giant stunned by a pellet, hurled by a mere boy, seems funny to Superman. And Superman's having the right proper lull to himself, and he thinks, ha ha, even against that big club sword and shield, the boy won. And for a moment, I thought he needed my help. <laughs> but suddenly, I've been ridiculed enough. I will dispose of you with but one blow. And the big Goliath guy, like we saw in the splash panel, is bringing his club down on Superman's head with a mighty kawak. And it's breaking, and Superman thinks, Great Krypton, Goliath is really flying off the handle. My golden rule Olympus, my club must have been rotten with termites. And Goliath guy is looking at the broken handle of his club, and he can't believe it. He's stunned. Then... Whoa, it's me. First that flea Jason nearly felled me with a pebble. Then my mighty club shattered when I struck the stranger. What more could happen to me? So as the Goliath chap was reflecting, Superman is standing with his hand on the shoulder of someone who we've now had identified as Jason, the little boy is Jason. And Superman says, you're worse off than I thought, Goliath. Now you're calling David by the name of Jason. And in Goliath, the next panel says, I see my club did rattle your head, stranger. The boy's name is Jason, and I am not Goliath, but Hercules, the mightiest of mortals. At least, I was the mightiest. Jason? Hercules? I don't get it, says a very puzzled Superman. Pete, say, you know, Hercules here is claiming to be the mightiest of mortals. Yes. 
Do you see where I'm leading here? I think I do. Go on then. The world's mightiest mortal. Mm. Yeah, also known as Captain Marvel, also known as Shazam. Mm. When he says his magic word Shazam, yes. he gets the strength from Hercules. Yeah. But maybe not this Hercules. Yeah, I don't think so. But it's a, it's a nice little thing to spot and notice, isn't it? Absolutely, wonder, yeah. You could almost, I almost wonder if that was deliberate. Anyway, the story continues as Superman thinks to himself, Jason and Hercules lived in Greece, but the whirlpool that brought me back through time was in the Middle East. How could I have journeyed to ancient Greece to witness a scene that should have been between Goliath and David, but wasn't? Very, very puzzled expression on that Al Plastino Superman. I'm going to say it. I'm not enjoying this rendering of Superman. Oh, really? Okay. No. Anyway, so off camera, there's a clatter, clatter, clatter sound effect, and a voice cries, Look out! Here comes Ben-Hur! Ben-Hur, good grief. And then the caption for the next panel says, Toward them comes a runaway chariot. Yeah, and we see a Greco-style chariot, if you're familiar with the idea. There's a guy in the chariot being pulled by two horses, and everyone's sort of scattering, and the guy in the chariot yells, Clear the way! My horses were frightened by a lion. I can't control them. Hi, yeah! And Superman thinks, Ben-Hur? What's he doing in ancient Greece? He's supposed to be in Rome. Anyway, he needs some help. Help he does need, and mighty Hercules tries to give it by jamming his powerful hands into the chariot's wheels. And Hercules thinks, Here's a chance to get back my reputation. I'll grab the spokes with my bare hands. And sure enough, we see the the spokes breaking under the might of Hercules' powerful hands. And we move now on to page six. But, again, I failed. I broke the wheel and the chariot races on. Yeah, it's like the um, Christy Minstrel song. We see the, the chariot flying off into the distance with no wheels on the wagon and Superman says, maybe I can help. I'm a pretty good jumper. Here goes. And in the next panel, we see Superman jumping onto the back of the sort of harness that's holding the horses together. And he thinks, I don't want to let them know I can fly or that I have other superpowers. I'll handle it like this. And in the next panel, he pulls on the, the reins of the horses and they, they come to a halt. And Superman thinks, golly, I hope I'm not showing Hercules up, but I certainly had to do something fast. A moment later. And a grateful Ben-Hur is putting his hand on Superman's shoulder and he says, Ben-Hur will not forget this favour, O stranger. You have saved my life. Perhaps in the future I will find a way of repaying you. And Superman thinks in response, he could repay me right now by explaining a few things, but I don't dare ask him. If I said I was a superhuman from the future, he and the others would think I was mad. Superman continues to think in the final panel of page six. Wait a minute. Everybody here is speaking English. Why? And why did Jason and Hercules have a fight that David and Goliath are famed for? And what's Ben-Hur doing here? There can be only one answer. What do you think the answer is, Peter, at this juncture? Even though we know because we've read it in advance and uh, we've this, seen it in a couple. At this juncture, I think, yeah. I, I think he's tripping out of his nut. He so, was struck by lightning. He was struck, yeah. There was some lightning going on and there was some water going on and there is a precedent for that sort of stuff. Absolutely. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, you might see where this is going. As we move to the top of page seven and Superman thinks to himself, and that answer is that not only did I come back through time, but I journeyed into the past of a parallel world. Yeah, there we are. Yeah. This planet is an exact duplicate of the real Earth, except that certain events and situations are mixed up. Now that I'm in this crazy, distorted twin world, how do I get out? I can fly through the time barrier, but how do I get through a parallel barrier? Ah, what's that noise? And we see the sound effect rumble in the distance as Superman turns to, to regard it. As the Man of Steel turns, he sees... A landslide. And look at Hercules back away, as if he's afraid of it. Wait, isn't that a red kryptonite boulder I see? And this is quite a nice panel, actually. We can see the landslide 
In the background we see the big Hercules fellow and Superman and sure enough one of the rocks that's coming down is glowing and it looks like a chunk of red kryptonite. But to Superman's surprise! And the meteorite has landed on the ground and Hercules recoils. At the cursed red stone? By Zeus, it is causing me great pain! I'm in agony! And Superman thinks, great Scott, red kryptonite affects him the way green kryptonite does me! In the next instant, Superman picks up the boulder and... Like the cover, Superman is picking up the boulder, ready to launch it away, and Hercules says... I can't stand being anywhere near the redstone. It pains me, drains my energy. Don't worry, Hercules. I'll toss it a mile away. Er, I mean out of range. Almost slipped. If I tossed it a mile away, he'd know I have super strength. And I don't want to reveal that yet. Next moment. And sure enough, we see the red kryptonite rock. It looks like it's just going down a hole amongst another big rock face. And off panel, Superman thinks, I'll throw it about 10 yards into that gaping hole. That will get rid of it. And we move on to page 8. Then... Hercules is looking very sad at this point. Sat there dejectedly with a hand on his chin, looking a bit fed up. And he says, Thanks, stranger. I could have done that myself, but the red stone gave me a fever and made me feel so weak. By Zeus... How will I perform my six labours? And a very puzzled Al Plastino-style Superman thinks, Six labours? Hercules of the other world performed twelve deeds. Oh well. It's that parallel business again. You see, small one, since I conquered Syncus and became the people's hero, the king is jealous, desiring now to make a fool of me. He commanded me to perform six impossible deeds, or else... See, the people taxed heavily. You're in a spot, Herc, till your fever is gone. What's your first deed? I must rid the valley of Nemea, of the invulnerable lion. I dragged my arbalest to the valley's edge, yonder. But now I can take it no farther. I'm defeated before I even start. And we see what is basically a giant bow and arrow on a wheeled trolley device. That must be what an arbalest is. I'm must guessing. be, yes. Yeah. Learn something new uh, every day. And Superman says, you may not have to use your weapon. Maybe there's a surprise in store for you. Let's go. On wobbly legs, the once mighty Hercules leads Superman to a place where... So Superman and Hercules are now standing with the arbalest. We can see the arrow pointing and Superman says, since you can't go to the lion, maybe I can get the lion to come to you. But don't kill him. Just stun him and bind him securely. And Hercules thinks, The small one must have lost his senses. How could he get the lion to come to me? And in the next panel, it's quite a nice sort of silhouette. Superman's sort of walking off into the distance and he says, Now wait here and keep your club ready. Farewell. Alas, I have lost a friend. Hercules doesn't really have a lot of faith in Superman. No, not point. really. Yeah, there's but he's not seen him use any of superpowers. That's true. Yeah. And obviously, and Superman was quite careful not to demonstrate. So maybe mm. he's going to cut loose. Superman doesn't go very far before he encounters... Yep, and we see the lion. And it's a quite a scary looking lion, actually, yeah. coming out from underneath some rocks. And the lion sort of goes... Grrr, and Superman says, An invulnerable Leo, eh? We'll see. As the great beast springs... Yeah, the lion has jumped forward, but Superman just basically catches it with his super breath. And we see the lion being flipped backwards, head over heels, and Superman thinks, It's against my code to kill, but I'll just use my super breath to turn him around, give him enough momentum to carry up towards Hercules. As Hercules hears the lion charging toward him. <laughs> we hear that grrr off camera, and Hercules gets his sword ready, and he says, Oh, I'm still too weak. Can't hold my sword. 
I'll have to use the big spear to wound the beast. Triggering the arbalest, Hercules aims the spear straight at the lion, but... Yes, and the spear flies off the top of the arbalest, and it bounces off the lion with a crack sound effect, and the lion roars. And Hercules says, By those who rule Olympus, the beast shattered my spear. And then the lion is walking towards Hercules, and the caption says, Indeed. Then, as the Nemean lion stalks its wobbly prey, and Hercules says, All right, fearsome one, I'll fight you to my last breath. And Superman has made his way back to the situation now, and he thinks to himself, Great Scott, the lion is invulnerable. Herc doesn't stand a chance, so I'll use my heat vision to sting him. It'll enrage the beast and drive him away. But Superman is startled to see... We see a shot of the lion's paws, and something's dripping off them. And Superman says... What's that? Molten metal dripping from the beast? Next moment, Superman himself charges the lion. And off camera we hear Hercules say, No, no, brave friend. I'll fight my own battle. Superman has rushed forward and he's punched the lion in the face. And he says, Wait, Herc, I'll show you something. Can't hit the lion too hard. A mere tap should stun him. And in the next panel, Superman has essentially unmasked the line of Nemea here. It looks like he's pulled its head off, but it's basically, it's sort of the mane and part of its fur. And Superman, and he's looking quite jolly at this panel, and he says, There's your invulnerable lion. Underneath this phony hide was a coat of chainmail, put on him by someone to terrorise the valley and thwart you. The king's doing, no doubt, but let me have this scrawny beast. I'll take him back alive to the king of Thebes. That is, uh, if, if you'll help me, I'm still weak from this accursed fever. And we see Hercules lifting the lion onto his shoulders. Looks like he's given it a sort of piggyback. And Superman responds to what Hercules says and says, Sure, Herc, I'll help you. And he thinks, strange, in this parallel world, kryptonite fever lasts a long time. But now, to eavesdrop on the king. I thought that Hercules is just milking this. I don't know. I mean, because kryptonite does have unusual powers and does affect yeah. different people in different ways, and it's a parallel Earth but for some reason. It's red kryptonite as well. It's red kryptonite that's mm. affecting someone from Earth. It's quite weird. Anyway. After they make their way to Thebes, Hercules alone enters the palace. And we see Hercules standing down in front of three chaps with sort of beards and receding hairlines, and they're obviously the kings or whatever, and we see Hercules saying, There, O king, your invulnerable lion with its chainmail. I have performed my first deed. And one of the three lads there, who I'm presuming is the king, says, Yes, I see. Leave us now. You'll soon learn your next task to perform. Later, outside the palace, Superman puts to use his supervision and super hearing. And Superman is essentially standing to the side of the next panel, and there's a nice sort of ripple distortion effect in front of him. Pretty cool, just obviously indicating that he's using his... His supervision powers and we see the three guys from the last panel and one of them is bearing a bowl of fruit and he says Hercules thwarted you by accomplishing the first feat sire but not again why not have him slay the non-existent Symphalian bird for his next task how can he slay something that isn't and the king says excellent this time we've got him Afterwards, when the Man of Steel joins his friend... And it's Superman and Hercules again, and this is a great panel that really shows the, yeah. the difference in scale between them. Hercules is sat there on a rock in front of Superman, and Hercules says, I must go to Lake Stymphalus and slay the man-eating Stymphalian bird, a creature larger and mightier, even than the dragon slain by good Perseus. Pshaw, Herc. That bird is strictly a fairy tale. You can't slay something that doesn't exist, says Superman before he thinks... Can't let him know that I overheard all this with my super hearing. Ah, but the king's own witnesses will be there. 
and unless they report that they saw me slay the winged beast, I can never again return to Thebes. I must find that bird. Superman thinks, how can I help Herc find what isn't there? Even Superman can't provide the impossible. Or can he? Later on the shores of famed Lake Stymphalus. Yep, Hercules is knackered. He's lying down and Superman is starting to climb up the cliff edge and Hercules says, I can't. Move another step. Let's rest. Then search for the winged beast. Oh, this fever. And Superman says as he starts climbing up the side of the mountain, Cool off, Herc. I look around for signs of your bird. He doesn't mean, obviously, Hercules' Glaswegian girlfriend. So, But there, Hercules seeing this fever, so obviously there is a long, lingering, lasting effect, effect from the kryptonite-style mm-hmm. meteorite. Hmm. Fascinating. Yep. Right. Anyway. On a broad ledge above, out of sight of his giant companion, the Man of Steel goes to work. And we see Superman, he's basically, he's assembling a sort of framework. He's obviously gathered some wood from somewhere, and he thinks to himself, Herc's in a wild goose chase. Literally, I suppose, if it's mm-hmm. a giant bird. But I can't convince him. So I'll make a bird for both Herc and the king's witnesses to see. Some stone shale for beak and crest, twisted boughs for feathers and body. Well, that's a good, very industrious clerk. Very like, as I've mentioned a couple of times in the past, John Jones, the Martian Manhunter, assembling his tape recorder out of um, raw elements. So in the next panel, oh, it's a beauty, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. he's, he's built. This is the most realistic drawing of a bird I've ever seen in my entire life. David exaggerated, and he basically, Superman is jumping off the edge of the cliff, and he's throwing the bird in front of him, and Superman thinks to himself, I flattened felled logs with my hands to serve as wings. And here we go. Herc should be rested enough to handle this. Below, the great Hercules is startled by piercing cries. Yeah, and the bird is, I mean, it's huge. Hercules is a big guy, but this is absolutely massive, and it properly looks like something from a Godzilla movie or something. Yeah, it? Uh-huh. it is grotesque. Mm-hmm. And Superman is thinking from the top of the panel, now for a few Stymphalian bird calls to make even a more realistic effect. And we see the giant sort of scree sound effects, and Hercules beholds, and he says, By Zeus! The winged beast! Ha! And my little friend said there was no such thing, eh? Wait till he hears of this battle. And the next panel is a butte. The caption says, Summoning what strength he has left, the Greek hero swings mightily. And we see Hercules take a swing at the sort of the neck of the bird, and there's a giant kawak sound effect, and Hercules says, This time I fight my own fight, in my own way. And as the Hidden King's witnesses look on in awe, the monster drops into the lake to be carried below by the weight of the stone in its structure. And we see that happening. There's a big sort of splash and the bird is going in. There's a few feathers flying out. Superman did a really good job on these these feathers. And we see mm-hmm. the King's witnesses. One of them is one of the guys we saw earlier on. And he says, Aye, all three of us have seen it. Hercules destroyed the man-eater. Let's make our report to his majesty. Back in Thebes, when the king hears the news... Hercules is making a fool of me. Our tricks are failing. Our chainmail lion, a non-existent Stymphalian bird, should have stopped him, but didn't. Now, what next? says the king. And his conniving, snidey pal says... Sire, I think we have come up with the answer. The cavern caterpillar, which no man dares face. This monstrous cavern caterpillar weaves cocoon strands of the hardest metal. Mighty heroes have gone forth to fight it, and all have failed. Perfect! Perfect! Command Hercules for this third feat to bring me cocoon strands from this beast. When he fails, I can ban him forever from my kingdom. We cut back to our two heroes. On the following day, beyond the city... What's the trouble, Herc? 
A mere caterpillar shouldn't bother you. Hercules is quaking, literally. Much would I rather bring fiery lava from the great volcano near Olympus, little one. In my weakened condition, I am no match for the cavern caterpillar. Let's be on our way. And I'll explain. The cavern caterpillar. That's a nice bit of alliteration. Mm -hmm. So, after a trek into mountain country, Hercules collapses from fatigue while... Yeah, but it looks so Herc's having a bit of a kip and Superman is making his way down to the cave and he thinks, with Hercules asleep, I can use some of my superpowers against the thing inside the cavern and the big guy will never know the difference. And we can see two glowing eyes in the darkness. There's another caption that it says... Ah, but even Superman can be surprised. And we move on to page 13. As the Man of Steel enters the cavern's mouth. This is a fantastic panel. This is definitely going to socials. We see Superman and he's facing up against... It looks like a really huge giant version of the Shazam Captain Marvel villain, Mr. Mind. Oh, so it does, without the glasses. Yeah, yeah. and he's finding out of his mouth is the aforementioned metallic sort of cocoon strands. And as Pete said when we are in preparation, it literally looks like Superman's being bombarded with red tape. <laughs> And Superman thinks to himself, fantastic, I keep breaking these metallic strands, but they keep sticking to me, like glue. And in the next panel, he's flying up out of the cave, still coated and covered in the strands, and he thinks, only one thing to do with these sticky metallic strands, burn them away from me. That volcano mentioned by Herc gives me an idea. And, meanwhile, a caterpillar can't weave more strands until another year's hibernation. That's a bit of a jump. Yeah. I think he must have written his uni discourse on behavioural habits of the... Of the giant caterpillar. The giant cavern caterpillar. Mm. Into the boiling volcano, dive Superman. Another quite an interesting panel with Superman flying in and the, the metallic strands are burning off him and he says, that does it. Now I'll return to Herc and report this mission accomplished. An instant later... And Hercules is still sat down and Superman's standing in front of him looking really chatty. And he says, the caterpillar can't weave any more strands for at least another year. You win. Wrong. By Zeus, you're wrong. I forgot to tell you that I'm supposed to take back the metallic cocoon strands to the king as proof of this feat. What have you done with them? And a very nonplussed, blank-faced Albastino Superman thinks to himself, Great guns. I burned up the metallic strands. How can I give Herc some evidence to show the king? Hmm, maybe I've got it. You know what, I suddenly think, I feel really sorry for this big cavern caterpillar. Mm -hmm. He's just living his life. Yes, indeed, yeah. And then he's presumably his destiny was to build a cocoon out of these metallic strands and then emerge as a beautiful, big, glorious butterfly. And he's not going to be able to do that. He's going to have to hibernate for another year. That's rubbish. Maybe this is the secret origin of the Godzilla character Mothra. Could be. Could I mean, be. I, I mean, that's a bit cruel of Superman, I think, in this instance. I'm, I'm not impressed. Anyway, we move on to page 14. But in the split second, it takes Hercules to blink. Here, Herc! Unbreakable strands that can't be cut and will defy the strength of any mortal. Show these to the king, but get them back for me again as a, a souvenir. And Superman is offering, you know, a handful of what looks like metallic strands, right enough. The red tape that the, the cavern caterpillar created. And Hercules says, Ah, I hope you're right, little one. I'll go now to the palace. Next day at Thebes. And Hercules with the king in the palace, and there are a couple of big muscly, baldy guys in the front, and one of them is holding a strand of the red material that Superman gave Hercules, and another guy's breaking his sword against it, you know, obviously testing it. And the king says, Observe, the sword breaks against the strands. They are truly from the cavern creature's cocoon. Hercules wins again. Hercules says, Indeed, and since you doubted me, I claim my strands to do with as I please. Later, outside the walls. 
And Hercules and Superman are standing outside and it's raining. We'll just emphasise that. It's raining. And Hercules is handing the strands to Superman and he says, Here, little one, your souvenir. And thanks for helping me. But now the fever has worn off and I am well again. Be gone while I go about my other tasks. And it must be said, a capeless Superman takes the strands back from Herc as he thinks, Herc's okay, and now I can reweave the threads of my invincible cape, which I unravelled for him to substitute for that creature's strands. And there's a little footnote which says, For the full story of Superman's indestructible costume, see Superman Giant Annual Number 8, editor. So we've had a look, and Giant Superman Annual Number 8 actually went on sale the previous week. Gone to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, it went on sale November the 21st, 1963. And the story the caption seems to be referring to is a story called The Origin of Superman's Super Costume, which was reprinted from issue 78 of Superboy from 1960. So there we go. That must be what that's a reference to. Excellent. So Superman continues his train of thought as the the storm is sort of increasing in the background. We can see that the dark clouds and the rain coming down was a flash of lightning behind him. And he's thinking, but how about my problem? How do I get out of this parallel world? I'll just have to wander about, maybe for centuries. Seeking a solution. Later, as the Man of Steel meanders through the countryside during a rainstorm. In this panel, we see Superman flying down towards Jason, who we met earlier on. There's a couple of sheep, and Jason is twirling his little sling. And you can see Shepard's crook leaning against a rock in the background, which is quite a nice touch. In the rainstorm, there's a bolt of lightning coming down towards Jason. Superman is flying towards it, and he thinks, The shepherd boy Jason, practicing with his sling. But my supervision shows that he's got a metallic rock in his sling and he'll be killed by the lightning bolt unless... And Jason has a puzzled sort of... Sort of exclamation and has a big crevroom as the lightning bolt strikes Superman's hand. And as instantaneously as he vanished from the world of his own day, Superman reappears. And we see Superman standing on the rock overlooking the whirlpool and it's still raining. There's a nice sort of glow burst around him as as he's obviously appearing and he's thinking, lightning return me here just as it took me away. But I must have been gone only a split second. I'll get another suit of clothes from the car and use super speed to reappear in the whirlpool as Clark. But I wonder how Herc will make out with his other feats. And we see Clark's discarded hat from earlier in the story sort of still floating in the whirlpool and Lana and her dad and the other guys in the expedition all standing watching it. And there's one final caption. Coming soon, another mighty adventure of Superman in the parallel world. But to the best of our knowledge... From what we've been able to extrapolate and find out with all our research, there wasn't one. No. If you know otherwise, please let us know, because we can't find anything. Nothing at all. To indicate that there was another story with this Hercules. Now, there was... And I want another excuse to use this voice. Shizek! Fresh horses! (laughs) There was... I, I in my head I have a in my head I can picture seemingly dozens it seems of action comics covers that are quite similar to the cover of this yeah. one Superman fighting Hercules type guys like and all that sort of stuff Javam he was fought a few times yeah about this era uh, he's got a similar look but yes it's very unusual it's yeah as we say there's we can, we've not been able to find any other instances of Superman returning to this Earth so despite the caption saying so so if you ever if you know please do let us know but it's interesting because on the next page of, of Action Comics 308 there's actually an advert for the aforementioned Giant Superman Annual and, and mentions that it was on sale on November the 21st so that's quite nice we might put that on the socials actually give yeah. you a bit of context absolutely the full yes. page is, is lovely mm-hmm. what did you think of that story then Peter? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it really was fun it. wasn't it? absolutely yeah but you do feel a bit cheated he's only gone through a couple of his labours 
I liked the sort of buddy comedy aspect of uh-huh. it, you know, and they felt an awful lot was unsaid about the origin of the meteor and mm-hmm. where it all came from. And the, as we, you know, as we said in our preparation, the placing of some of the captions towards the end, it's, it's a, even by the standards uh-huh. of the stories that we've already done, it's a very abrupt ending. It's in the space very choppy. Uh-huh. In the space of three panels, we go from Superman saying goodbye to Hercules to um, suddenly flying over Jason mm-hmm. to suddenly being back, you know, and it's... Yeah, it's like that. It, mm-hmm. it looks to me like maybe it's, cut down by a page or something, yeah. or a couple of panels are maybe missing. Fourteen or... pages seems like a bit of an odd uh, yeah. amount for us. Really. Like, so maybe they have fit, chopped and changed it a bit. It's an interesting thing that a lot of these stories do feel quite disposable. And mm-hmm. we get this caption saying that there might be, you know, there's going to be another story in the parallel world, but we don't get it. And it almost seemed like it could have been another sort of time travel story or yeah. imaginary, you know, even an imaginary story, because the, the, it's almost like they used the parallel worlds as a way of just sort of avoiding any explanations for what was going on and why. True, yeah, why things are different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, I wonder if it was actually genuinely going to be a Hercules or, or a Goliath. Mm-hmm. Sort of story. Well, the setup with uh, David versus Goliath, as it were, you know, yeah. Hercules versus Jason instead, is yeah. is a bit bizarre, especially with them. Um, and then when Ben Hur rocks up, but but it's more so from the point of view that uh, Superman stops it from happening, but then suddenly becomes very pally with Hercules. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm I'm rubbish. Everything's going wrong, and how can I help? Yeah, it's, it seems a bit bizarre considering he's like the big bully that you know the, the yeah. boy was, uh, as far as we know, defending himself. Yeah, from. and it's a bit and, peculiar. Yeah, and Superman's sort of there as if. His, his whole purpose is to kind of get Hercules back on track and yeah and sort him out, which makes me think maybe it could have been a coach histo- Superman. Yeah, it could have been a, a time travel story where Superman goes back in time and oh. accidentally interrupts Hercules, but then has to help him carry out the rest of his labors. Yeah, which sounds like a really silver agey sort of Superman story that someone would do. I don't know. Yep. So yeah, another thing I wanted to mention was the fact that we've got Superman discovering red kryptonite on this world, mm-hmm. and first of all, it doesn't affect him, but he recognizes it as red kryptonite. So it must be from. Krypton, presumably. Yes. Yeah. So it means in this parallel universe, there must have been a Krypton that exploded. Which makes you think the logical extrapolation of that must be is there a Superman in this parallel universe? Is there a Superman in this parallel? I mean, it could be Hercules because he's affected by it. it right. Is maybe, Hercules maybe he's Kryptonian. Is he from Krypton? Right. It could be. I mean, yeah. Yeah, we, we don't have any evidence uh, one way or another, but I think yeah. it's an interesting thing to, to discuss. It does feel like there's an awful lot of stuff maybe. I don't want to say it's underwritten or mm-hmm. unfinished, but it does feel it does feel like there's a lot of stuff maybe missed out or lots of undeveloped ideas. Yeah, it didn't even have to be red kryptonite; it could have been anything. Yeah, absolutely. And they give it all that emphasis, and you, and, you know, the show it being flung in the hole and all, and then you sort of think, right, you almost expect them to come back to it. Yeah, but that's it. It's literally a throwaway. Yeah, but it's um, it's just really interesting the fact that you know it does affect Hercules, who mm-hmm. we assume is human, even though mm-hmm. he's a giant though. Mm-hmm. That could be what the Kryptonians are like on in this universe. I mean, the differences between the Earth One and sorry, the Krypton One and Krypton Two, for lack of a better expression, okay. their powers similar powers, but obviously you know they're more powerful when they come to Earth One under the, to, the different sun. And yeah, stuff. yeah. Or if this is the case that Superman has also gone back in time, does that mean that Krypton has exploded centuries ago? Or could it just be we only know it's red Kryptonite because Superman says so? It might yeah. not be. It's fun that they, they're actually selling on the cover the fact this is a parallel world story and it's like and there will be another trip to this parallel world. Yeah. But uh, obviously there wasn't much uh, reaction, fan reaction to it. Yeah. Peter's got the reader reaction now from issue 311 of Action Comics, the, the letters page, and there are half a dozen so letters. Yep. And only one of them actually refers to this story. 
Yeah, this letter is from Ernest A. Sutcliffe from Cranston in R.I. Who could that be? Rhode Island. Is that? I think so. Yeah, okay. Anyway, Ernest writes, Dear Editor, on the cover of Action 308, you show Superman tossing a red kryptonite boulder away from Goliath Hercules. Since Superman is always affected by Red K, how do you explain the fact that this time his exposure to the stuff did not cause any transformation to occur? Did not affect him in the least? And the editorial response was, we thought we'd made it clear that this entire story took place in a parallel world. In this type of world frequently used by science fiction writers, events, places, customs, etc. are the same as on Earth, but with interesting variations. For example, in this particular story, Hercules looked like Goliath. Ben-Hur lived in Greece instead of in Rome, etc. And the most ironic switch of all was that Hercules was weakened by a red boulder the way green boulders, kryptonite, affect Superman. It's, it should be clear from the fact that they're on a parallel Earth that Superman wouldn't be affected by the red kryptonite because it's the red kryptonite from a parallel universe. That yep. It wouldn't affect him because I'm sure that there's another story in the John Byrne Legion of Superheroes, Superboy, Superman crossover yes. story, isn't there? There's the whole oh. thing with the, the, the colour kryptonite and it doesn't affect That's correct. our yeah. Superman because he's not from that universe. Yep. They maybe could have said that in, in, in the response there, mm-hmm. in the response to Ernest. Um, very important that Ernest wrote that letter. Obviously, yes, very <laughs> important to Ernest. Rubbish. <laughs> And that is literally the only yeah. letter about it. So obviously, there wasn't the fan response they were expecting for this story, which is why I think they've ditched the whole idea yeah. of coming back, revisiting they it. They probably were anticipating everyone to go, this was brilliant. Maybe maybe we should have written letters in If only, let's keep tracking it on that time Let's scene. get Jodie Whittaker to give us a lift back and we can, mm-hmm. we can do that. Anyway, that has been Action Comics 308. But what did you think of it? Please get in touch and let us know. You can email us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we might read out your letter on the show and give you a shout out. Make sure you follow us on Facebook at The Earth 2 Podcast and on Instagram at The Earth 2 Podcast and on Twitter at podcast underscore Earth 2. Yep. And as we said, we'll be putting up lots of pictures so you know exactly what we're talking about on our social media. So make sure you check that out. Yep, and if you can rate reviewers on, on any of the places, that would be terrific. Please get in touch. Please let us know what you thought and what you think of how we're doing. Give us some feedback. It would be ideal. And we look forward to you joining us next time on the Earth 2 Podcast. 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 Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. I can never again return to Thebes. Superman thinks. I'm finished. Oh, sorry. I was just dramatic pause. I just, I didn't.